That was Brittany and Natalie Haas playing at the Baltimore Fiddle Fair in May 2018, and this is Fiona's Travels Podcast. Welcome. So, what's in this week's podcast, Fiona? Thank you, Ruti. I met Ruti last summer when I was travelling in Ireland, and we're now together at Klesfest in London, playing klezmer music all this week. But today isn't about klezmer music, and um, it's not about last summer's interviews either, like all my other podcasts have been so far. I challenged myself this week. Last week, I went to Shetland and Orkney, um, I did a couple of talks about my own book, and mainly I was there to support Ethel Hoffman, who wrote the most wonderful book called Mackerel at Midnight, Growing Up Jewish in the Shetland Isles, about being the only Jewish family in the 40s and 50s and 60s in Shetland. And in this podcast, you're going to hear her talk mainly, or quite a lot of her talk in the library, and a bit of her being interviewed by BBC Radio Shetland. And apart from that, I was lucky enough to hear lots of Shetland music while I was over there, including in particular an amazing young woman called Amber Thompson, who's only 12, who did a solo show as part of the Shetland Fiddle Showcase on the Monday evening when I was there with her teacher Eunice playing that brilliant Shetland piano that I really like. Um, And the first set that you're going to hear has a lot of audience laughter in the middle of it, Um, because Amber was trying to get us to vote for her favourite jig, which was the middle one, as opposed to Eunice's favourite jig, which was the last one. So that's why there's a bit of laughter. Anyway, we hope you enjoy this podcast. This is the last in my current series, but I have lots of interviews from last summer still to put out. So subscribe and you'll hear about the next series.
going to dive right in. I grew up in Larry and I can speak Shetland without a bear seal. Um, we, I really had a wonderful childhood. My dad came up here and that's a long story and you'll see it in my book Michael at Midnight, but he came up from Russia, he was a peddler and he wanted a Jewish wife. I think he could find a Jewish wife in Shetland. <laughs> so what did he do? He went to Glasgow brought my mother up, told her what a wonderful place it was. And remember, this was, over, this was over 70 years ago. So she got off the ferry, and the first thing she said, she told me, why did you bring me to this godforsaken place? <laughs> well, she lived here another six years, and she was really a good, vibrant part of the community. Um, you know, I think that really, an identity is formed in your home life and what you grew up with and the values that you grew up with. And although we were the only Jewish family, my mother instilled a really, really strong Jewish identity. And at that time, the community, the community were supportive. And they did not, I mean, there was no anti-Semitism that I was aware of. We had, we had long connections, and now I still know a lot of people, second generation. Uh, my mother lit candles on Friday night. Um, we had uh, observed Shabbat. And I always say there's different levels of observance, whether you're Christian or Muslim or Jewish. Um, you know, you don't have to go to synagogue or church to be a good person. It's, what, it's what's inside. I feel today, that with so many kids in college and, and there's assimilation, but you can still have your identity, you can still have your own culture and still socialize. Um, and food is a tremendous, is a tremendous bonding. And my na our neighbors, I remember, we would celebrate all the holidays, the Christmas, the New Year, everything. And when it came to the Jewish holidays, we had them come to our house. And I remember, um, for example, at Passover, there are certain foods you can't eat. So my mother had, had boxes of matzah. Everybody know what matzah is? I mean, I see in the supermarkets here. It's a flat, unleavened bread. 
So she ordered like 60, 60 packages. So the guy at the delicatessen in Glasgow said, what are you doing with 60 packages? There's only five of you. She said, all my neighbors want unleavened bread. So that was, that was it. Um, so we grew up eating kugels and uh, blintzes, which are the Ashkenazi, Ashkenazi foods. And the Ashkenazi are from Eastern Europe and um, Russia. And you have the other branch of Judaism, which is Sephardic, and they're from the Mediterranean, which is a much healthier diet because it's based on, you know, it's based on fruits and vegetables, everything fresh. Whereas Ashkenazim, um, it was cold, in Russia it was cold, so they had anything that would stick to the ribs. You know, dairy products, egg products, and so to this day that's very, it's, it's, a, it's, a heavy, it's a heavy traditional way of eating. And we only eat at holidays. You try not to have that during the day. Um, we assimilated socially, but not culturally. And my mother was, I mean, my father was a peddler, so he was away and he was going to all the islands and everybody knew him. And my mother was left with the shop. And she, even though we were, you know, we took, we took part in all the goings on, the whist drives and whatever was going on at that time. But in the house we had, it was a very Jewish house, and we never hid our Jewishness, never ever. And remember, we were the only Jewish family. We never, we never ate shellfish, we never ate um, bacon or pork. And you know, our, our neighbors and friends really uh, understood. And we were all, I mean, we were always eating at each other's houses, but they never served any shellfish or any pork. And I remember when I was teaching up in Anz, the people that I was living with, they were big lobster fishermen. And I remember the woman saying, well, you don't have to worry because we don't eat lobster anyway. They're really ugly things. And they were, they were sending it down to England and getting really good prices for fresh lobster. In World War II, you know that Shetland was overrun with military. There was, must have been more soldiers than there were people. I mean, at that time, I think the community was maybe 20,000. And we must have had 40,000, 50,000 um, soldiers billeted in Shetland because it was really an important strategic point. The Germans were in Norway. If they had come to Shetland, I wouldn't be here. Um, so we were very heavily fortified. And they wanted, Germany wanted Shetland because if they could have landed in Shetland, they could have overrun the UK. None of us would be here. Um, now, even now, Shetland has the reputation of being a folk uh, music center. And the Shetlands are more than history, culture, food, and peat bogs. There's now the Shetland, at least maybe 20 years ago, the Shetland Fiddle and Accordion Club. And I remember every house that somebody could play an instrument, mostly a fiddle. And you'd go into the house, and there would be a fiddle hanging on the wall, or an accordion standing in the corner. And, they, and there was no, people just played by ear. There was no formal instruction. And I don't know how many of you remember the Herring Curing Station, where people, you know, women came from Scotland and Ireland. And I, so many people came from Ireland that they built a Roman Catholic church. And I don't know how, how it's used now, but it was one of the prettiest churches in Shetland. <clears throat> and the gutters would stand. 
The doctors would stand there. It was it was a terrible job because they 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 packed the barrels with salt, and their fingers would get all red, and it, it was it was a tough job. These women, these young women, they came, and it was it was a job for the summer, and they they lived in huts, really really primitive that we would think is primitive now, and but a lot of them got married. You know, they met, they married the fishermen, and it was a social, it was really a social thing. But they came from all over. They came from Yarmouth. They came from Ireland. They came from Scotland. They came from all over. And you knew, you know, maybe they probably would start coming. And they liked, even though it was hard, they liked to come. And that fish was put into barrels that I think they made here. And there were layers of uh, layers of herring and layers of salt, and it was sent to Russia. But I remember that they had, you know, they would wear gloves. That, you know, sorry, their fingertips were just showing. But, but they took it, yeah. When they took it off, everything was red, and, and it, it was horrible. Yeah. And my brother Roy and I went to look at the archives. And we saw that my grandfather rented a flat in, on Charlotte Street. I think it was all of these buildings. And you know, he was probably here with a long coat and Russian dress. And I, we looked at the price. So he was charged five pounds for a year. And then the other people were three pounds. So they were taking advantage of a foreigner who didn't talk the language. Don't be blit. Does anybody have anything to share? Any because last night when Fiona did her, um, her, did her presentation, we found that a lot of people had gone on to the genealogy thing and found out that they had 2% Jewish blood and 10%. And share your experiences. Anybody? Yeah. Come on, come on, I, I need to hear from you guys, come on. We had so much, so much interaction last night. Okay, so did your mum teach you to cook or did you learn that really after you left home? Did she teach me what? Did, you to, to did she teach you to cook? No, she didn't, my mother was not a good cook. She was, <laughs> she was a good baker, but um, I remember they would have, she would have four or five women come in every Saturday night and they would have a whisk drive, whisk. And one night she said I could make the, you know, everybody had cookie biscuits and a cup of tea at half time. So she said I could do it. So I got the cream crackers out and I put cheese on it and I put a pretty bit of tomato on it and I put it under the grill and these women thought it was amazing. Yeah. And I thought I was terrific. So, I mean, she didn't, she didn't teach me how to cook. I really had to learn to cook because she was in the shop. So, I mean, I remember at dinner time at one o'clock, she would send me down to the street for a pound of boiling beef, I think it was, and she would shove it into a pot and she'd throw in some barley and cook it for half an hour, that was soup. And I always called it grey soup. Because when I went out to Hamburg, Joanne made the best vegetable soup. It was thick and it was aromatic and it was really, really good. So that's how, that's how I tried to make soup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a bit too much to say to myself. Yes. No, I want to hear everything. Um, 
I read your book when it first came out. A long yeah, time ago. Eleven years ago and, and met you here. Yeah. Um, one of the things I loved about the book, and has always stayed with me, is your description of Passover and how your mother would spend a long time making food and inviting some of those uh, servicemen, I guess, yeah. fishermen, who were here well, I'm glad you asked about that because she, at, at all the Jewish holidays, she had a, a group of friends who would, they would all get together and they would cook all the traditional dishes and they would serve a holiday meal. And I remember she went to the commanding officer of the, of the military and he said, Mrs. Greenwald, you can have the whole kitchen and do whatever you want. And she went in the, she, there must have been 10 women, and they would cook everything that was traditional, with chicken soup, um, matzo balls, there's kugels, cakes, everything. And she did that, and they had about, every time I think there were about 300 people, 300 people who came, came from all over. And remember, we had these Nissen huts all over, and maybe some of you remember, the Nissen huts were, the, um, the soldiers were billeted. So she, she did she did that. And I remember also, she, um, you know, you had to have wine, a Passover wine. So she called the, I think it was a place in London, and she tasted the wine, and it was horrible, it was sour. So she called and she said, you know, just because we're in Shetland, you don't have to send us bad wine. And, Next boat, we had a whole case of good, <laughs> good wine. I just wanted to finish by saying that the reason that I was so moved by that was because um, uh, my husband was Jewish and I always enjoyed Passover, the Seder night, and I can, could imagine those young men far from home. Men and women. And women who weren't able to do that yeah. very, very important yeah, it was. night. And, it, yeah. and how wonderful that was for your mother to have, and the ladies. That the, it was amazing. She got, she got such a team of women to come around. Um, she also got the chief rabbi to come up. Yeah. He came up several times. And, you know, it shows that you have to be, you have to be lenient and, and progressive and visionary. And, you know, even though the concept is that keeping kosher is that you have to be so strict. Well, he came up, he ate in our house, and he didn't eat meat, but he ate everything my mother cooked. She was, a good, she was good at the Ashkenazi dishes. And he ate, and he drank, and he came back and, he came back and forth all the time. And he was the chief rabbi of England. Well, I have to say something, Mary, because I didn't write it in the book. Margaret was the was the person who really inspired me to write that book, Macro at Midnight. We were at a we were at a tea in Bigton or somewhere. Yeah. And Mark and we were sitting talking about my mother and Margaret said, Well why do you know right to Adun? So I went home and I I think in a month I had the whole thing written. And to this day I really regret not writing it in, in the book, but she was my inspiration. You know, in the fifties there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of communication. I mean we didn't have we didn't have internet, we didn't you know, we didn't have television before the fifties. 
Um, people relied really on their on their own initiative, and, and, and actually the social life was was bubbling. It was great. I mean, there was card games, there was music nights, debating societies. There was all kinds of things. You would be out every night. Drama groups. My mother always won a prize at some of these country fairs because people made rhubarb and ginger jam. So my mother made rhubarb and fig jam. And that was always a big hit. But I don't think that was, you know, I don't think that was a heritage, you know, something from back from a, an Ashkenazi or a, a Sephardi background. Um, and like I said, people here were frying herring in oatmeal, and my mother was making pickled herring. We had a barrel of herring in the back, in the garage, in the garage, and we would go out in the winter time, we'd get two or three herring out of it, she'd wash it, make pickled herring, she'd make chopped herring, all from scratch. Now, in, in the United States, we buy it in a jar. Mm. Wow. In fact, I don't, I've never even seen a fresh herring in the United States. In New Maybe, York? In New York, probably, yeah. In Shetland, it was very healthy food. Stack was fish livers with tatties. And you mashed it up together, and I'll tell you, pepper and salt, it was delicious. Maybe it doesn't sound good, but it was great. And see, it was a very healthy diet. We had fish, we had root vegetables, we had oatmeal, pretty much a cat on. When I went to the United States, I didn't know anything about vegetables. I had to take, I had to take an internship. I had never seen an eggplant, you know, the big purple things. I had never seen a zucchini, and I think here you call it zucchini. Cosette. I mean, I hadn't seen any of these. I thought these were really exotic vegetables. <laughs> well, actually, it wasn't even a Jewish thing. I mean, everybody ate the same. Carrots, onions, tatties, and cabbage. That was, the, that was the, four, the four vegetables. And you know, it was healthy. We ate fish every night, practically. And even though the meat was not killed in a kosher fashion, we had chicken on Friday night, we had lamb, um, because my mother said, my children have to have protein, whether it's kosher or not. So she was pretty forward thinking. Um, but, I, but now, here in Shetland, you have everything. Not necessarily what's grown here, although you, I mean, the, the, the uh, trend is to have local, local vegetables and local stuff, and you have everything. You, I mean, even seafood, you have mussels that come out of the water and they're on the table like uh, two hours later. So it's really, it's really a healthy diet. As long as you don't give in to progress and have all the processed foods and the you know, frozen stuff. Growing up in Shetland was really a unique, healthy experience. And I always tell everybody I had a wonderful childhood. I really wouldn't have missed it. We were surrounded by really good people. And, um, and food was always a big, a big thing. I can even remember going having my teacup read. That was, that was on a Sunday, we'd go to have teacups read. And it was the highlight of my, highlight of my week. And she read your cup. Yeah. What did it say in yours? She was pretty good, actually. Yeah. But I think she never told me anything bad. She was. <laughs> she told me I was going to go. And she told me this day I remember. She told me I was going to go on a big voyage across the sea, which I did. And her name was. I think her name was Mrs. Peterkin. 
she was lived in Galba with, with, a, with, a, with 20 cats. <laughs> you got a cat here? You did the cat a favor. <laughs> but I remember, and I, you know, was, oh my God, I just loved going there because she, most of the time she told me really good things. But that was, that was also, besides music, you know, people made their own, you know, their own um, entertainment. There was someone younger. Extremely with the old days, fresh food and Shetland. Speak, speaking about the old days, fresh food and Shetland. Yeah. My, my dad was a fishmonger, had a fish van. My dad was a fishmonger and had a fish van. He went to the country district. Hmm? He went round all the country districts. Sometimes people didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money. Sometimes there'd be a bucket on the side of the road. Full of vegetables and tatties for the dad. Oh, full of vegetables and tatties for dad. And he'd put some other bucket and he'd put a bucket full of fish so there'd be a swap. So we always had fresh vegetables. And turkey at Christmas time. And turkey at Christmas time. There was a barter system that doesn't exist anymore. What a useful story. Well, actually, actually the barter system also went to, if you had the doctor come, mind the doctor came to the house, and I mind my dad giving them a bag of oranges or something instead of instead of money and they were happy they seemed to be happy together well you know we celebrated everything we celebrated jewish holidays we celebrated christian holidays uh, because people always you know are close friends neighbors they always invited us and we invited them so we had the best of both worlds so I, I mean i hung up a stocking at christmas time and you know that time maybe you got a couple of oranges in the bottom of the sock and you thought you were really <laughs> some sweeties, that was it. I think we're going to bring it to an end so that the next stories are just stories that people can come up and talk to us or people can go and eat their biscuits or people can just chat to each other. So thank you so much to Shetland Library for the fantastic work that you've done, Margie, and your team for publicising it, getting it on the radio, getting it in the press, getting it on the um, social media so that so many of you have come. Thank you so much to... Josh, thank you so Absolutely. much. To Josh. Ethel for coming here, and Josh. to you all for coming. Josh is a lifesaver. <laughs> yeah. And thanks mainly to Ethel for coming and doing this fantastic evening for us.
So I thought you just grab the new microphone there okay. and you can just set in, in beside her. I just want to tell me that uh, this is We were, and you know what? We had, I had such an amazing childhood. I had an idyllic childhood, yeah. really. And I mean, just very briefly on that, and just what your main memories were at that time, that right. sort of thing. And we're going to get all that in four minutes? We'll, we'll get, <laughs> I mean, feel relaxed about it, because what I'll do, just speak as you would normally speak. Yeah. We will try and get as much as we can in four minutes. Right. I'll edit it to be as tight <coughs> as we possibly can. So don't watch the clock. Yeah, I'm not watching the clock. Because we'll... Uh, okay. <laughs> I have no problem t talking about Shetland. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's interesting because every year that I come, there's something new and something improved, you know? That's and good. the people here are much more aware of, of the environment than I think any place else. But you know, what's really interesting also is that Shetland is on the cutting edge. They're always ahead of technology. Absolutely, it's yeah. And it's really, really quite remarkable. Yeah, no, they're... Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at this studio. I mean, yeah. it's state-of-the-art. No, it's, it's terrific stuff, really. We just ended up great. And the BBC generally look after us very well. Lovely. Well, OK, we'll just uh, we'll just start, Ethel, and I'll put up. So, Ethel, if you can just start, uh, start off by giving me your name and, uh, and what you do. OK. E Ethel Greenwald Hoffman, coming from an old... Lerwick family <laughs> and now I'm in Philadelphia and I'm a syndicated columnist and author focusing on food and travel and Shetland is top of my list. No, thank you for that. Um, no, you were doing your talk in the Shetland Library last night, Ethel. Uh, how did that go? I'm, I'm told there was a lot of folk there. It was unbelievable. I told them to bring in a dozen chairs and I think we must have had over 80 people. Um, a lot of Shetlanders, a lot of people, some people who are tourists. And the interesting thing was that so many people uh, laid claim to having some a percentage of their heritage as Jew, Judea, Jewish, uh, which nobody would have said this years ago when I was growing up here. Um, you know, we were the only Jewish family, but I had an idyllic childhood and we had so many extended family among the Shetlanders, many of whom I, I you know, I still see today and keep contact with. You mentioned that you were the only Jewish family at that time, and that's the focus of the book that you were speaking about, Maxwell at Midnight. Did you have any integration problems with the community, given that Chetna was a very isolated and certainly at that time localised community? Was there any difficulty with integration? Maybe it, was a, maybe it was a good thing, because there was no prejudice, absolutely no prejudice. Um, we we assimilated, you know, socially, not so much culturally, because my mother was, um, you know, she really um, kept that the identity because, you know, we had we kept the Sabbath, we lit the candles on Friday night, but of course we kept the shop open on Saturday, which was the Sabbath, because that was when you made, you know, you made money. You, I mean, other country folk came in. Um, I did not encounter any prejudice at all. 
But it's interesting, the only thing I did encounter, it was not from a Shetlander. I was taking my hires in domestic science, and the woman who examined us came from London, and she saw my name was Ethel Greenwald, and she looked at my sewing and she kind of flung it away, and I was the only person that failed domestic science. And I had gotten the, I had gotten the first prize every single year at the Institute for, home ec, for Domestic Science. That was, the only, that was the only thing I encountered, you know? We had a, I had a lot of friends, we had a lot of good times. And the, and the book also covers your other passion as well as writing is food. And your visit to Shetland this time has included an element of that as well as doing Oh, the absolutely, book absolutely. I'm doing a big article for, first of all, for the Jewish News Service, which is online. And I didn't even realize there would be a Jewish connection. I was really just going to focus on the food. But there was a Jewish connection because of the, um, the Scottish connection that was organized by uh, Fiona Frank. Um, so that's going to, and it'll probably be one of, in one of the other major newspapers, like the Inquirer, Philadelphia Inquirer, the Boston Globe. So, and so the, but the, the focus for the Jewish News Service will be the connection that we had last night. And you were impressed with the quality of the food up here. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Visit. Every year I come, it's improved. And this year, really, in the cafes and restaurants, they can compete way, way ahead of some of the, most of the places that I've been in Scotland. I mean, the fish, the food is fresh. It's raised in a pristine environment. So that there's, and the, there's very little processed foods, I mean, in the cafes. And so many, like I've been to The String, I've been to, uh, what is it now, uh, Dowry, I've been out to uh, Fiara. It is amazing, amazing. The quality, the presentation, the taste is, absolutely sensational. I can't say enough about it. And so much is produced right here in Shetland. And you'll not only be writing positively about it, but I'm assuming uh, you'll be returning home again before too long. Oh yeah, I'm planning I'll be here next summer. I'll be here in the summer. And this is what, this summer? Yeah, I'll be here next year. I, I come almost every year because Roy, my brother, lives here. Um, and like I said, there's, the, I'm just bowled over by the by the food and the and the quality, and I'm hoping that really the name of the of Shetland products can go beyond uh, Shetland in the UK. I would like I would like to see, for example, things like smoked salmon, the soups, um, the butter. I'd like to see it with a Shetland uh, name on it. And and now, you know, you can get it all over the world with with air freight and uh, and so on, it can be there within hours. And then the good thing about the fish and the dairy products, you can have it on your table within two or three hours of it being in the ocean. So still clearly very proud of your original homeland. And absolutely. It, it wasn't a mistake that uh, granddad made coming ashore. No, absolutely not. I mean, I, I had such a good childhood. I really, really, the people were wonderful. They were like my extended family, you know, aunts and uncles and grannies it was and my mother really she really assimilated socially she was she was very involved and i could have it on and on and Absolutely. on <laughs> well there's so much more that we could speak about as well but i said it was an inverted commas and said you sold everything for condoms he can. did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true i think you can i would be helping in the shop yeah. and the fishermen would come in and they'd say 
It's your dad, yeah. <laughs> and then he would come and he would rummage in the back of the drawer yeah. and he'd come out and he'd slip this into a brute pepper bag yeah. and the money would be handed out. I think he was I think he was the only in at Celtic. I think he probably was at that time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're yeah well, thank you very much. That was the Shetland Fiddlers Society with the well-known Shetland tunes De Ferry Reel and Lady at D. All the other tune credits are listed on the programme webpage.
Thanks so much to David Gardner and BBC Radio Shetland, to Margie West and Shetland Library. Thanks to Eunice Henderson, Amber Thompson and the Shetland Fiddlers for the music. Thanks to Skojek, the Scottish Council of Jewish Communities, who supported the tour. Please let your friends know about the Fiona's Travels podcast series. Please subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please review and rate the podcast. Thanks, of course, to the wonderful Ethel Hoffman. And as usual, we're going to be finishing off as we started with Brittany and Natalie Haas.